There is a place in scripture where we are clearly shown the value of waiting and the need to trust, believe, and hope in Jesus during the silence. On the Saturday following the crucifixion of Jesus, the scriptures are virtually silent of any of the happenings of that day. But we do know that the disciples were confused, dazed, hurt, bitterly disappointed, and no doubt scared during this silent Saturday. For they were grieving the cruel death of their friend, their teacher, and the one they had believed was their Messiah, the Savior of the world. They didn't hear from God and certainly didn't get the answers they were expecting. It is in these moments, in our darkest hours, that we find ourselves sometimes waiting, sorting through unanswered prayers, grief, disappointment, and fear. It is in these moments that we must trust, believe, and hope in Jesus. Join us in this podcast of Women at the Well Ministries as Kim takes us on a journey through the scriptures, unveiling the truth that when we are stuck in our silent Saturdays, we can hold on to the promise that Jesus gave his disciples some 2,000 years ago. Joy is coming, and it is a joy no man can take away. Hello, and thank you for joining us in this podcast of Women at the Well Ministries. Let's pray. Our kind and most gracious, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you with sincere hearts. I ask you, Lord, that you would open up our minds and our hearts and that you would use me and remove me from the message, Lord, but let me be able to give the message that you so carefully and intricately deposited into my heart and mind. Lord, let us understand that it is in the time of waiting where we fully trust. Lord, that all the other times we're just adding up the numbers and we're just watching you do what you do and knowing that it's moving each and every moment towards that expected end. But Lord, it's during the waiting especially the waiting after a pain or a disappointment or grief. Lord, help us to see that it is during this time that you are our hope. You are our joy. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Many times we wait until the Easter season, Holy Week, to reflect and think upon 
what God did when he gave his son to die on the cross of Calvary. And I think we often forget what God endured as Jesus took the sin of the world upon himself in noonday, the world becomes dark because God can't look upon his son. And when you understand the gravity of that compared to the fact that we as the children of God are never alone, there is never a moment that we are not being seen by the King of Kings. There is never a moment that he forsakes us or leaves us. But on that day, when Jesus was taking on the sin of the world, God was not looking at him. So there's a moment in time, a long moment, where Jesus alone bears our sins and endures the pain of the cross. But he also endures separation from God. We often wait until Holy Week to think about what Jesus did for us. And if we take the time to think about what Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary, we're usually very quick to come to the scourging and the pain and the agony and the horrendous effort to breathe so that with every breath he was breathing, he was pouring his love out on us. What we're often not quick to see is the pain and the anguish that Jesus had to have felt when he knew his father was no longer watching him. You see, there's a common statement among the world that integrity is what you do when no one's looking. And on that cross, Jesus could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world. But instead, he took the call that God had given him. And he embraced his work that was required to pay for a sin debt he didn't owe. And during the silent times, he trusted what God had spoken to him. In the times that he was alone, bearing your sins and mine and the burden of the sin of the world, he trusted the Father and he stayed the course. 
as they reviled against him, as they mocked him, as they fully lowered him in their eyes. He stayed the course. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As they were accusing him before he went to the cross, he never defended himself. He just spoke truth. There's a lot of lessons to be learned in the silence. But there's a long silence. Friday, he's crucified. And he's placed in a borrowed tomb. Saturday, he's silent. Just Thursday, the day before his death, He had spent time in the upper room with his friends and his disciples and even the one that was ultimately going to hand him over. He knew what Friday was bringing. But he also knew what Sunday was bringing. But though he tells his disciples over a loving, friendly fellowship meal, all that's going to unfold. They still have to endure Saturday. And their expectations, their disappointments, their hurt, their pain, their confusion, it's all present. just like it is in our lives. When in our darkest moments, we feel silence. So we begin our reading today in Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 62 through 66. Jesus has endured the cross. He has shed his blood, his sinless, perfect blood. He's become the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. In verse 62, it reads, Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that deceiver said, While he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away. And say unto the people, He is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch, go your way. Make it as sure as you can. So they went and they made the sepulcher sure. 
sealing the stone, and setting a watch. No doubt, these people, these religious leaders of the time, they thought they'd won. But I want you to see that even in their victory, they had fear. Because where there's no Jesus, there's no peace. And they couldn't be sure of what was going on around them because they didn't have the security of Jesus. In their time of waiting, they have angst. When's the next shoe going to drop? Because even in the way that they are behaving, they are admitting that there's something special about this man called Jesus. Even though they were the ones responsible for crucifying him, clearly there was some amount of doubt in their heart and mind that maybe what he said was going to come to be in some way. But if not, then his people will make it up. See, in our own lives, when we leave Jesus out of the equation, we begin to create our own stories. We begin to create our own conspiracies. We begin to create our own ideas. And the more we leave Jesus out, the less truth there is in it. And then our mind will begin to torment us. And the what ifs and the possibilities and the what will I do begins to creep in. And in those silent moments, if we're not holding on to truth, if we're not living in the hope of Jesus, then what happens is this. We create more angst. And then I want you to see that these religious leaders that went to Pilate, they went on Sabbath. They went on Sabbath, our silent Saturday, to make sure that the tomb of Jesus had some extra guard and protection. These were the same people now breaking the Sabbath by traveling and working on that day that crucified Jesus for healing just a few days earlier on the Sabbath. See, they're willing to break the Sabbath for their needs. Because they're trying to do everything they can to make sure the body of Jesus isn't stolen. They're willing to bend the scripture or the law or their tradition for their want, for their feelings, for their desires. How often do we either tuck a scripture away that we don't see because it convicts us or clearly says we can't do something we want? Or how often do we read it 
and we get as many commentaries as we can and as many historical books as we can and we try to lay it in the context and we do whatever we can to say, well, it's just not relevant for today. He said every jot and every tittle was meant for our instruction. He told us in 2 Timothy 2.15 that we're to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He told us to understand the scriptures, and the scriptures are meant to teach us, to show us the way, to give us the examples, to clearly establish his commandments and his ways. But how many of us, when it gets down to what we want or what we need, are willing to massage the scriptures, to misinterpret them, to make them fit what we want them to say? I've got news for you. Just as it was against the law for the religious leaders to work and travel on that day, it too is still wrong when the scripture says it's wrong. So you don't have to approve of what the word of God says. You have to live the word of God. He's not looking for you to weigh in on how we should best say this or how does it work in today's time. He wants you to prove his transforming power, his love, his mercy, and his grace. The rebirth and the regeneration that happens when we are a new creature in Christ. He wants you to prove his scriptures by living them through your life not approve them. It's interesting to me that they are so concerned about protecting the tomb so the body isn't stolen because what the religious leaders don't understand is that these disciples aren't plotting to steal Jesus' body. But instead, they're bewildered, they're depressed, they're wallowing in the silence and the unanswered prayers of Saturday. See, Jesus is still dead. Jesus is still in the grave. They must be terrified that they're going to be the next on the list to be crucified because of their association with Jesus. They're grieving the loss of their close friend. They're no doubt stunned and startled that the teachings of this man called Jesus is no longer going to be with them because he's still in the grave. But probably the most thing they're feeling is they're humiliated. They really believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And during this silent Saturday, doubt, no, doubt has taken 
control of them. Doubt has flooded their soul. It's flooded their mind. It's flooded their heart. Pick up our reading in Luke chapter 20, verse 4, verses 19 through 21. And he said unto them, what things? And they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been in which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. So a disciple named Cleopas and another disciple, they're walking down the road out of Jerusalem on Sunday. They're on their way home, leaving the city the very first chance they can get once the travel restrictions have been lifted after the Sabbath. It's clear to me as you read all the accounts in all of the Gospels, the disciples are collapsing because of the confusion, the grief, and the disappointment that happened on that dark day that was Good Friday. And their doubt has consumed them on silent Saturday. You see, they must have somehow forgotten about the conversation in the upper room that Jesus had with them just a few days earlier on Thursday. See, Jesus took the time to warn them about the grief and the disappointment and the doubt and the silence that they would encounter during the days to come. He encouraged them to remember him, to understand who he was to fully embrace his character. During the darkest hours, to cling to the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. As we pick up in John chapter 16, verses 20 through 22, it says this. Verily, verily, I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow because her hour is come, but as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. Jesus is talking to them about his death, the darkest day that the disciples will ever experience. He knows that they're going to be met with silence. He understands that when we wait upon the Lord, as we're told to do in Psalm 46, verse 10, he says, be still and know that I am God. And I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. And Jesus has stood before them on upper, in the upper room. And he's tried to explain to them the world's going to make it look bad. Things are going to look like they are not going your direction. Things are going to look like that I have been defeated. But I promise you, joy comes in the morning. He's trying to get them to understand that they have to trust him in the darkness, in the moments of confusion, 
at the very time they don't understand. When silence is all they hear, that is when our trust and our hope and our joy in knowing that there's a peace that passes understanding. There's a joy unspeakable and full of glory. And that's when our trust in Jesus Christ is fully experienced. All other times, we are just living on the fact that we know who God is and we are able to see him moving and we our faith is not tested to the brink of its limits because we watch him move we see him there we watch the results of his presence in our life we have a track record of all that he's done for us and when we are in the darkest moments and there is silence and God is no longer easily heard and God is working we have to remember that though we can't see it he is still working We've got to believe that as much as we believe that we inhale oxygen and we exhale carbon dioxide. None of us can see that, but we see the effects of that when we breathe out and we have a little feather or a piece of paper in front of us and it moves. We know something has come from us. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean he isn't there. And just because you don't believe these words in no way diminishes their truth. See, Jesus is asking them to wait. He's asking them to hold on to the hope that he and he alone offers them. This hope in Jesus transcends the pain and the grief, and the doubt. See, he even gives us in Ephesians 6.13 the commandment to take unto us the whole armor of God that we may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Sometimes, You just stand, heels dug in, shield of faith out in front, and you just trust. It's in these darkest hours that we learn a great lesson that takes us through the troubles, the confusions, and the pain of this life. Because just as the disciples were confused, dazed, hurt, and scared during the silence, we sometimes get that way when we don't hear from God, or at least when we don't get what we want from him. But just as God had told them through Jesus, his son, And how Jesus himself had said, you got to have hope in this time of silence. 
And he told him how to believe and how to trust in the time of silence because that's when we know Jesus and his character. And that's when we don't look at circumstances. We no longer look at the storm around us, but we are fixed on Jesus. And he wraps his arms around us and he pulls us to him. And sometimes we have to hold on to the knowledge that he has us, even though we can't see him and we can't hear him. He's telling us the very same thing that he told them on Thursday that they would have for their silent Saturday. In our time of waiting, we have to know. As he says in Isaiah 43, 2, when thou passest through the waters, I'll be with thee, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon me, on thee. Jesus stood on the cross, shedding his blood and giving his life because he loved you and he loved me, and he did it alone. But in your silent Saturday, you are never alone. Jesus is right there. Jesus is with you. And Jesus is working on the scene, whether you see it or not. And his ways are higher than our ways. And his ways are truth. And his ways are to give you an expected end. Jesus loves you like no other. He died on the cross of Calvary. And I promise you, he didn't give his life. And he didn't die on the cross of Calvary to drop you now. He's going to hold you through the fire. And he'll be the fourth man in the fire. We have to be better at remembering than the disciples. We got to remember what God has told us from Genesis to Revelations, the greatest love letter ever told. We've got to understand who God is. So when the darkness comes, The light of the world shines inside our hearts and we have joy unspeakable and full of glory. We've got to remember that Titus 2.13 said that we're looking for that blessed hope. That's Jesus and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And someday, yes, he's coming to take us home. But in the midst of the storm, he's going to come and he's going to reach down and he's going to lift us up. He's going to come and he's going to be victorious. And we are greater than the things in this world because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And our victory belongs to the Lord. And he's not going to let us down. He's not going to drop us. He's not going to go down in defeat. And he's our hope. I'm not hoping that what I said is true. I have hope because I know what I said is true. Because I simply read to you what he said to all of us in his word. In 1 Peter 1.3, he says, Blessed be the God of our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again. Are you ready? Sunday's coming. 
has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Ain't no grave powerful enough to hold him. No government can imprison him. No person can legalize him away. He is Jesus. And he is God. See, in our time of waiting, and despite the silence, Jesus promised that joy is coming. In our times of pain and grief, misunderstanding and confusion, in those moments where we are left wallowing in the silence of God and unanswered prayers. My friend, when we are stuck in our Saturdays, the days following our darkest moments, we can hold on to this one promise that Jesus gave his disciples some 2,000 years ago. Joy comes in the morning. Psalms 30 verse 5 lets us know that sorrow may endure for a moment. But joy comes in the morning. May you know the peace of God. In every Saturday. And may his joy disseminate from you every day. Remember, you are loved. Jesus loves you. Thank you all for joining us today in this program of Women at the Well Ministries. We pray that it has been a blessing to you and we encourage you to reach out to us through our website or our Facebook page. You can find us at watwm.org and at facebook.com slash watwm where you will find devotions and many additional Bible resources to enhance your personal walk with God. Woman of the Well Ministries is a nonprofit organization dedicated to serving our Heavenly Father and it is through your loving and generous support that our ministry continues to bless others. If you would like to partner with Women at the Well Ministries, please visit our website at watwm.org. We would like to thank the gospel group Fudge Creek for letting us play their hit song, Happy Girl. Greatly appreciate your prayers. Know that we pray for our listeners. Remember that God loves you and you are loved. Happy girl, she's a happy girl.